It's Friday, October 12th, and this is The Daily Dive. It was another surreal day in the Trump administration when rapper Kanye West went to the White House for a meeting with the president. Kanye has been getting a lot of heat recently for his support of President Trump, but he embraced it in full, sporting a Make America Great Again hat and hugging Trump. Kanye went on one of his classic stream of consciousness rants, to which the president simply responded by saying, I'll tell you what, that was pretty impressive. Olivia Nuzzi, Washington correspondent for New York Magazine, was in the room and tell us what she saw. Next, we will continue our conversation with Olivia about another big event she was present for earlier this week. She had a private Oval Office press conference with the president, Mike Pence, John Kelly, Mike Pompeo, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The president was set on having Olivia write up a piece showing that there is no chaos in the White House and his relationship with John Kelly is great. It is a great read and a great interview, as it is the closest thing to being a fly on the wall that most of us will ever get. Finally, an astronaut from the US and another from Russia had to make a dramatic ballistic re-entry into Earth's atmosphere after the rocket they were aboard failed. Luckily, the two made it back to land safely. Rod Pyle, space historian and author, joins us for more on this. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I think it's the bravery that helps you beat this game called life. You know, they tried to scare me to not wear this hat, my own friends. But this hat, it gives me, it gives me power in a way. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. You made a Superman. That was, that's my favorite superhero. And you made a Superman cake. For me, also as a guy that looks up to you, looks up to Rathmoran, looks up to American industry guys. Non-political, no bullshit. Put the beep on it, however you want to do it, five seconds delay, and just goes in and gets it done. Joining us now is Olivia Nuzzi, Washington correspondent for New York Magazine. You have had quite the week. You had a private Oval Office meeting slash press conference with the president, Mike Pence, John Kelly, Mike Pompeo. All the big players were there, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. I want to start off. With the latest stuff, Kanye West was also in the White House. You were there for that meeting as well to meet with the president to talk about, I don't know, a range of things. Why was he there? And then what happened in the White House? Well, ostensibly, he was there to talk about criminal justice reform. Remember, his wife, Kim Kardashian West, influenced the president back in early June to commute the sentence for a woman who had been in prison since like 1996 on a drug charge. And the president did that, and he got a lot of positive press for that. It it was kind of one of these rare, non-controversial, good things that he did. And I think that he is susceptible to flattery and and wants good press, and that's (laughs) probably cynically part of why he wants to continue doing this sort of thing. And his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who is the top White House advisor, has made criminal justice reforms one of his central issues. And so it was reported earlier this week that Kanye West would be coming in to speak to the president, and that was like... Like the main topic that they were supposed to be covering. But of course, Kanye has been out there very controversially, very openly supporting Donald Trump over the last months and was recently on SNL wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Yeah, yeah. He's been wearing it everywhere and he was wearing it today. And it was really funny in the Oval Office. I just kept thinking, 
this is so unusual because, A, Donald Trump is not the most puzzling figure sitting in here in the Oval Office today. And he was <laughs> right. not the most talkative person in the Oval Office. It was sort of a monologue from Kanye West. He was also not the one wearing the Make America Great Again hat. So it was very weird. It was so interesting watching the video because the president's sitting behind the desk and he has his hands clasped and he's just looking at Kanye go off. Yeah. The president was just like quietly nodding his head. Like you said, he wasn't it was really the, strange. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't the most outlandish character in there. Kanye just went off and it was yeah. very much like the SNL thing or rants of past where it's stream of consciousness and he's just going on and he's sort of out. Trump's yeah. Trump. And I mean, the president speaks that way too, though, where he speaks in the stream of consciousness. He touches on all different topics. I mean, I had, as you mentioned before, firsthand experience with this earlier this week <laughs> yeah. in the Oval Office, but I had a better view of the president where I was standing in the Oval than I did of Kanye, but I, I could see them both. And it was just so interesting to watch how the president was just completely dazzled and confused at the same time <laughs> by what was happening. And he was silent. I mean, he is yeah. Almost never silent. He chimed um, in only a couple times in yeah. that, you know, it was about 10 minutes. He spoke initially when I first walked in, he was speaking. He was saying that the ex-NFL player who was there along with Kanye was actually a better lacrosse player. I don't know anything about sports and I don't <laughs> have any idea if that's true or not. And then he started talking a bit about what he considers his accomplishments. And he talked about North Korea. And I, I wrote it down because it was so funny. But when the president spoke about North Korea, Kanye was responded he said quote i like the north korea <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's like okay i don't know i not, i think maybe he meant like he liked the policy on north korea right. but it, it is a funny quote yeah, but, but then yeah it's pretty much uh, all kanye yeah and as you mentioned you know he was wearing that uh, make america great again hat you know he mentioned that specifically he said that donald trump gave him the power you know he made him feel like superman it was that superman cape that he had he talked about that he talked about his own mental health saying i'm not bipolar i got another doctor to see me or something he even brought out his phone we know his passcode now zero 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 and he said you know can we get rid of the air force one we want to do this iplane one uh, you know i i think some people say oh is the president exploiting a mentally ill person after after kanye disclosed that about himself in the oval office and i think that's just sort of bullshit. Mentally ill people, people who have mental illnesses, it doesn't mean that they're not autonomous human beings and that they can't make their own right. decisions and that they should be babysat or, or treated as though they are not intelligent. You know, I think there's just simplistic, reductive way to talk about mental illness. And I saw that narrative taking off a little bit after that meeting, and I found it really troubling. Totally disagree with that also. I mean, as crazy as Kanye can be at times, he is a very smart man. He knows what he's doing in a sense. He's very conscious of himself and his kind of role in popular culture. I don't think he's being taken advantage of in the slightest. We are making this kind of assessment from such a distance that I think it's irresponsible to, to take any kind of guess about what his true state of mind is. And I, I just wanted to make sure we, we talked about that. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it was extraordinarily bizarre. And even the president seemed to agree that it was bizarre, which is really saying something. At the, at the <laughs> end, when Kanye wrapped up the president, you can just feel the relief that he's done. Even he says... I'll tell you what, that was pretty impressive. That was quite <laughs> something. And you know, everybody, you jealous. Yeah, everybody's on board with that same thing. So, you know, that's Kanye at the White House. Always a good spectacle. Let's move on to the next big piece of news that you had, this impromptu solo 
press conference with all the major players, the president, Mike Pence, John Kelly, Mike Pompeo, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was in there. He gave you like a pamphlet with all sorts of accomplishments yeah. that, that they had done. It seemed like he was pushing you to write a positive piece about what's going on and how there is no chaos in the administration. Yeah, it, I mean, again, it was one of these just highly, highly unusual, unexpected occurrences. I was in the White House on Tuesday morning for a series of meetings and interviews for the story I was working on about John Kelly, the chief of staff. And as I was leaving, I saw I had a missed phone call and it was from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She asked me to come back to her office. And that's when she told me that the president wanted to see me. And we went back there and he really like pulled out all the stops trying to convince me that things are going great and everyone loves each other. And one after the other, these very high ranking officials in our government started to come in. There was Mike Pence, John Kelly himself. There was Mike Pompeo, the chief of the uh, secretary of state, though, in fairness, he was scheduled to have a lunch with the president on his public schedule. So I think he was confused as I was during this whole thing. I love the introduction, though, when John Kelly came by and the president is just like, this is Olivia. She's going to say very, very wonderful things about you, you know, just setting that stage one by one as people crept up in the conversation. They magically appeared behind you. It did seem like they had a lunch meeting, but every time somebody was mentioned, boom, there they were right behind you, ready well, there to, was, there to was say something. There was a lunch something. meeting, certainly with Mike Pompeo and the president, but the people in the room that were coming in, John Kelly and Mike Pence and Mike Pence's chief of staff, Nick Ayers, were related to my story. They were related to my reporting, and the president was asking them to weigh in to dispute various things that I, various questions I was taking to the White House earlier that day that I suppose were related to him. And he kept commenting, the president, I don't know if I would have thought that it was a setup if the president had not consistently commented, this isn't set up. And he kept saying, you know, look, oh, I'm so happy we could all be here. We didn't plan this. Uh, How amazing is that? And, you know, I'm not like a detective, but when someone says that over and over, it kind of seems like a setup. I have two more questions about this surreal experience. One, did you notice any type of chaos. As you said, it's, at times it seemed like this was kind of coordinated almost. Um, and, you know, his interactions with Chief of Staff John Kelly and all the other players in there. Did you get a sense of there's some craziness going on or did everybody just seem to get along? It was so forced. At the end, as I was walking out, Chief of Staff John Kelly and Nick Ayers, somebody who I was reporting on because I had heard that he was a possible replacement for John Kelly and had been offered John Kelly's job, they hugged each other and they called out to me and I turned around to see them hugging and they were smiling and they were like, they basically, I think John Kelly said, this is my friend. And uh, Nick Ayers said, and he's mine. I would never imagine General John Kelly hugging another guy like that, saying, you know, know. making the display, hey, we're buddies, you know, that's so comical. I mean, it was just so theatrical and strange, but I, it was so awkward. And anytime I think you have an outsider, like a reporter, in the mix, it's probably, you know, a yeah. bit of a performance. But in this case, it really, really felt like a performance. Yeah. And Everybody's the on their best behavior at that point. Yeah, yeah, and everyone was so deferential to the president, which I suppose you could expect with any president. But the way that it works with Trump is probably different. I mean, he asked John Kelly, he said, what do you think of the president in, in the third person? And uh, <laughs> John Kelly said, he's like very great or something like that, you know, <laughs> as if he wasn't just speaking to the president. Right. It was weird. It was just weird. The whole thing was weird. And the, and the last question I have for you, because we spoke about Kanye and kind of the stream of consciousness thing and just kind of how he's all over the place. The president in speeches and everything, I mean, at rallies, he 
displays some of those same type of things. So how is it sitting in the room trying to ask him questions and him just interrupting, jumping all over the place? How do you wrap your head around that? In real time, I didn't find it to be difficult. But when I was confronted with how do I convey this to a reader, I just thought it would almost be a misrepresentation to try to condense any of his quotes and make them easier to digest or more focused because that's just not how he talks. He does not speak in a clear and concise way. And I think if he is ever taken out of context, and I don't mean that as like an insult to reporters the way that people say taken out of context, but anytime that his quotes are chopped up so that they can be clearer, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of inaccurate in a way. And I thought it was very interesting. I was on um, CNN last night and a Republican operative who was on with me on the air, she said that she had uh, been at dinner earlier that night and somebody who was in my piece, but she wouldn't say who, but it's a small group of people. She bumped into him at dinner and he said that the White House was really pleased with my piece and they really liked it and they thought it was very fair and quote the opposite of fake news. Yeah, no, and I, I did, thought that I was did so interesting that. because it's it's not the nicest piece in the world, but I think that Trump is probably satisfied to see his quotations printed in full. I think with the times that he feels the press is being unfair is probably a lot of the time when his quote is chopped up and people try to interpret what he's saying rather than just putting it out there. And so I'm sure people are going to give me some about printing a full transcript, basically, of what he said. But I think that's just the only way to really understand what he was saying. I agree with you completely. The article is great. It's the closest thing to being a fly on the wall in the room Thank uh, you. to to just kind of see what's going on, you know? And, and as you say, at times it might have seemed like a production or whatever, but, you know, that's the way it seems like it goes in there. And, and I, I love the way you wrote it out piece oh, by piece as it happened chronologically, as you said. The times he interrupted you, it was just amazing. So I great job on that piece. And, you know, I, it's just great that you were able to be there for these two big moments uh, just that just happened you. this week. Uh, Olivia Nutzi, Washington correspondent for New York Magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. And there is liftoff of the Soyuz MS-10 to the International Space Station, carrying Nick Haig and Alexei Ovchinin to the orbital complex. Emergency booster, two minutes, 45 seconds, the uh, emergency, the failure of the booster. There has been uh, an issue with the booster, and we're standing by for information as we continue to get it from the Russian flight control team, but everything seems to be fine with the crew. We had good calm with them, and they are okay. Joining us now is Rod Pyle, space historian, science writer, and author. You can catch all of his stuff at pilebooks.com. Russian and U.S. astronauts were on a mission to go to the International Space Station, and something happened. There was mission failure. They ended up having to jettison back down to Earth. The two astronauts landed safely. What was the major malfunction? This was a flight, as you said, of one astronaut, one U.S. astronaut, and one cosmonaut to go up the space station. And they're in the Soyuz spacecraft, which also rides up on a rocket of the same name that was going up. And they're supposed to swap out for a couple of crew members that are already up at the space station who are going to come back. Now, the space station always has a Soyuz capsule attached up there 
prepared just in case. So that's their get out of jail free card if they need to come home in an emergency. But the official seal of approval on that for coming home expires in mid-December. So they really needed this one to come up and swap out the crew or not. And as it turned out, it didn't. So apparently what happened is it, it made it through about two minutes of flight and it was staging, first stage to second stage and what I can tell. And if you look at the video of it, there's some kind of odd detritus falling off the rocket. It looks almost like silver glitter from a distance. I don't think that normally happens around staging, but it's been a long time since I've looked. But that tells me there might have been something going on with one of the engines. But at any rate, that's that's strictly conjecture. What we do know is that something happened at staging. Either an engine failed to ignite or what I've read more recently is that the first stage didn't drop free properly. So for one reason or another, they had to abort. Now, the rocket's designed to be able to do that, and they all have been since the early space age, both on our side and the, and the Soviets, except for our space shuttle, which really didn't have an abort option until much later. And when you abort, your ground control punches a big red button, and the capsule lets go from the top of the rocket and fires a smaller set of rockets up above the capsule, which are extremely powerful and just burn for a few seconds. If you're an astronaut inside that thing, and you hit the abort button, it's like getting slammed with a block of concrete right in the face. They said they were forced to do a ballistic re-entry. What exactly does that mean? Because they said that during that stuff that, that, that the crew members can face uh, G-forces 10 times greater than that of uh, what's going on on Earth. It's rarely more than eight, but it's still a lot. And even in a normal re-entry, you're, you're looking at maybe four or five, but each one is significantly more. So but ballistic reentry means this is what they did in the very early space age days back in Mercury and the Vostok on the Soviet side. Normally, when a space capsule comes back in, it glides a little bit. It's almost like the space shuttle in a way. The shield is designed in such a way, and, the, and they use guidance rockets to position themselves so that they kind of glide back a little sideways in that heat shield. So it's kind of this shallow, gradual reentry that gives you four to five, sometimes six Gs. A ballistic reentry just means you've got up over the top of the arc that whatever speed you had goes away and then you come back straight down like a bullet and because you're not scrubbing off any of that energy by moving sideways you're generating eight possibly nine g's which is a lot the uh, u.s astronaut nick haig it was his first mission what a ride and what a crazy turn of events for him what a rotten afternoon, huh? And they showed some video of the ascent, and at the point that whatever happened, happened, it started, I guess the rocket started to vibrate significantly. You can see these two guys, and their hands are flapping around like they're trying to learn how to fly. I mean, it's really, it's almost comical <laughs> yeah. looking, but you realize it, it was a tough ride, because normally that doesn't happen. So they're really, they said they were, they were weightless at one point, even before they hit the panic buttons, something cut out now, along the way. Now, these uh, Russian Soyuz spacecrafts, generally, they're pretty pretty reliable is what I've said. I know they had a couple problems here and there, but can you comment on that? And then also talk about the new fleet of things that are happening because SpaceX has a capsule getting ready. Boeing has another one also. What do we know about these? So Soyuz has been flying since 1967 and it's flown 145 times. So although that's actually not that many more than the shuttle, it's been very successful. They only had two crew losses back in the 60s. And then after that, it's had a few issues, but generally it's been extremely reliable and it's been around a long time. Russia has launched an investigation to see what happened and they said that they're going to, you know, share all of the details with everybody because we still have a partnership with them. So, we'll see what the true cause of that was, but thank you very much Rod Pyle, space historian, author, catch all of his stuff at pilebooks.com. Thank you for joining us. Sure.
All right, that's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.